Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, the three Muslims. Rami couldn't make it today. Unfortunately, he's traveling. Keep him in, uh, in your duas. How's it going on, huh? Alhamdulillah. Also you funny, me, you're gonna have to give me a second because I was eating dark chocolate and I forgot that it makes your teeth all black. You got the giggles today, bro. No. Alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all the viewers. Alhamdulillah. Hi, bro. So, what is today's topic? Do you want to give a little brief synopsis or you want me to go in? Today, we're going to be talking about hard life lessons from Islam that we have learned in the last couple of years. We're, we're not too old, alhamdulillah. I'm 25. I know you're 29 now, right? Yeah, alhamdulillah. But we have learned a thing or two in our life, and that's what today is going to be on. I do want to start by saying that a little bit of a preface that one of the hard life lessons that we've come to, I guess, reinforce is that life is supposed to be hard. No one said life is supposed to be easy, especially as Muslims. When you study the Sira, you look at the Prophet's life and you look at all the other prophets, it was not easy, bro. Matter of fact, they were messengers of Allah. Like what makes us think that if their life was filled with trials and tribulations, bro, and adversity, and loss, and grief, and sadness, and fitna, that our lives are supposed to be any easier, bro. I do think social media has a lot to do with that, because when you go on social media, you look at the highlights to people's lives. You look at the, the best moments. You look at the highs. You don't see the lows. You don't see when the cameras are off. You don't see, uh, you know, a normal life. And it gives us this false sense of, I guess, ease, and, and success and peace in everyone that we see. But we know deep down our lives are not always perfect. But because you don't see that, you compare and contrast, it makes you feel inferior, bro. Makes you feel like you're a victim or life is supposed to be hard. So do you have anything you want to, I guess, highlight or reflect on before I talk about something from the Quran? No, please continue, bro, because I, I was... Uh... Not paying attention to be honest. Was, Allah, there was something else that I had to take care of. It is what it, was it the the kefia was over the years? <laughs> no, no, no. Hi, <laughs> Bismillah. So one of the one of the surahs in the, the Quran, Surah Doha, you know, it's the it's one of the surahs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed when the Prophet was kind of in a in a state of losing hope, you know, and he was kind of like, Is Allah going to give me revelation? What's gonna happen? And the main takeaway from this is that the help of Allah is always near. And it's like Allah is making an oath that, you know, it's 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 soon enough, bro. Like it's coming very soon. The help is on the way. Just just don't lose sight of what's important. Don't get heedless. And it always reminds me of how people in life, anytime they go through hardships, it's very easy to fall through um, susceptible to what's uh, was from shaitan, bro. That Allah doesn't, what if Allah doesn't love me? What if Allah doesn't, is, what if I'm too far gone? What if there's no saving me? What if this hardship or calamity that I'm hit with is supposed to be permanent and there's no getting out of this? And I know it might feel like that in the moment, but everything's temporary. 
this life is temporary. And all of these things that we go through in life, these hardships are temporary themselves. doesn't mean that they're here to stay, but we got to stay solid. So I want to I wanna hear what you think about all that so far, bro, from Anhel the Wise. No, I mean, I agree with it 100%. I really don't have uh, much to say on it right now. Have you had times in your life, bro, where you thought that life was supposed to be easy and you kind of fell for this whole, like, you know, perfect fairy tale propaganda? No, I think that's just a mental thing, right? Like, when when things start getting nice and easy and you know, we enter the good times, uh, it's almost like our mind can't, it can't adapt to the things that start to come its way. And then we have to go through that state where we are all over the place until we finally, uh, you know, get centered again. Mm. Right. But when we're not in that center place, we're over here in our heads, like playing the victim card because we've been having it so nice and easy. And it's just mm. a mental thing. And it's, I, I think it's like a lag time before you get to that point where you're like, all right, like it is what it is. I'm going through this uh, test right now. And, and I just got to go on with it. So you know how Allah says in the Quran that indeed with hardship comes ease? Yeah. One might ask out of frustration, why is Allah even testing me in the first place? So how would you answer that? He wants to see. And you're 100% about it. Mm. Because, bro, like when times are good, anyone can say that they're about it. Mm. It's when times are bad that like you're really going to be seen if like you're really, really about it or not. Hmm. Like, look at the people closest to you in your life, whether it be your friends or your family. They're closest to you for a reason. It's because they've been there through the good times and they've also been there through the bad times. So they've proved to you, they, they've passed the test of the good and the bad. And mm -hmm. you see, like, oh, these are actually people that can be there with me through the mm -hmm. good, through the bad, and everything in between. And Allah, like, Allah will give us everything that we ask for. And that we deserve, well, not that deserve, not because we don't deserve anything. But Allah will give us everything that we need. But he also wants to see, like, okay, are you actually 100% about it? Hmm. 100%, bro. And to add to that, I generally think that anything good in life that's worth having never comes easy, bro. Like, imagine having a good physique. Got to go to the gym. It's uncomfortable. Imagine wanting to make money. You got to do hard work. Even just bringing it down to like something like where you sleep on, like a mattress. You know, like science has shown that the softer the mattress, it's not good for your spine, bro. It's not good for your back and and for your health. But when you have harder, more firm mattresses, it's much better for you. You know, like things that are soft, bro, I genuinely think it keeps us soft. Yeah. And movies and society, bro, and go on Instagram. See, the more that we advance as a society as a civilization, I generally think that we've been getting more and more comfortable. Of course. You want food before you had to go hunt. No. You know, just like that, bro. You go on your phone, you you swipe something, and then you already got food delivered to your door. And get those nice boba teas, the mango and the lychee. There you go, bro. <laughs> and you want, you want intimacy. You want to have a wife before you had to actually go out there in halal, obviously, and get a wife. Now, unfortunately, a lot of brothers are watching Haram, and it's just easy to just get that dopamine hit just like that. But, see, if you're suffering with, with pee addiction and you're watching Haram, what are you doing? Click on this link right now over here, the Oma Academy. We made this course. It's proven. 
scientifically to help you, inshallah, quit pee addiction for good. With this being said, my next question would be that, okay, we understand the hardship is a part of life and that inshallah Allah will give us ease with it, right? Why do you think a lot of people fail to recognize the simplicity of the fact that life is about tests? Why do you think that they still insist that life is, should be easy and that they should deserve having everything just catered to them? Again, it's that victim mindset. It's that like, it's, it's selfish to be honest, but it's, they, people stay in this victim mentality and this selfishness that they had when they were kids. And, you know, it's understandable when you're a kid, you don't know any better. But as you grow up, it's like, come on, like wake up, wake up and smell the roses. Like it's life ain't, it's not sunshine and rainbows. It's literally tests. Like sometimes it'll be good. Sometimes it'll be nasty. And it is what it is. You have to be all right with that. And this is this is why Islam is so important. Because if you put your trust in Allah, you put everything, like you put all your eggs in this one basket, and this one basket being Allah, Allah will give you so much more than you ever asked for. You know, like, mm -hmm. bro, times are tough. You put your trust in Allah, it doesn't mean that it's going to make it any easier. It just means that, okay, you have this, this thing that you can lean on. You know that it's going to be taken care of. Because any, any time in your life, you look back into your life, everything has always been taken care of. 100%. 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know this, if you can look back in your own experience and everything has been taken care of, what makes you think that this is not going to be taken care of, what you're going through right now? Mm -hmm. What makes you think that what you're going through right now is the end-all, be-all for you? Like, just really think about the situation that you're going through. Would it actually be the end of the world if what you are tripping, what you are stressing out about right now, if that were to actually happen, would it be the end of the world? You know, let, let's say you have this guy who's trying to get married. And let's say that for some reason, it gets right there to the very end, but then it all falls through and it doesn't end up working. Do you really think that's the end of the world? Be honest, do you really think that's the end of the world? Or do you think that in and of itself will be a test? Just to see if you're patient or not. You're muted, by the way. Bro. I'm muted, alhamdulillah. I said, we know too many cases of this, bro. Way too many cases of this. SubhanAllah. May Allah protect us. I mean, I mean. But it's, it's to drive the point home that, bro, we are, we're grown now. You know, like, usually, bro, usually back then, when people would go into puberty, that's when they would enter adulthood. Hmm. Let that sink in, bro. Like, people were entering puberty, like, what, like 10 years old, 11 years old, maybe 7 years old, sometimes 13, 14 years old. Imagine you having to become a man of the household at, like, 13 years old. In today's day and age, not going to happen. Because, like you said, we live in a very soft-ass age where everything is meant to just be comfort, comfort, comfort all over. But it's like to understand that back then, this is how it was. And now we've like digressed or regressed into this point. Now it's like, we have to understand that, okay, this mentality that we have, this, this state of mind that we have, that we're saying, oh, well, why am I being tested? Why am I going through this? Why, why do I not have this? Why am I not experiencing this? It's like, well, number one, 
you have to understand, like we're saying here, that Allah is going to test you. But number two, where you are right now is because of you. It's because of your own actions, because of your own beliefs and all that stuff. So, like, how, just, bro, it's, the question is, how are you really going to have this victim mentality when you understand these things? Mm. And another thing, too, bro, is Allah has divine standard time. And the perfect time for something, whether you want it in a dua or you know that it's coming up next, might not be in the exact same time that you want it. And it might not look like the exact same way that you want it to, bro. A lot of times that Allah, Allah wants us to have something, but if he gives it to us when we want it, we might not actually value it and utilize it to the maximum ability. Imagine if the amount of money that you guys have now, you had that, let's say, two years ago, five years ago, right? We make this example a lot. Would you have been able to actually utilize the amount of money that you have now five years ago? Probably not. You probably would have fumbled the bag and just blown it all up just like that. But now you have a little bit more, I guess, financial literacy or responsibility. And you have delayed gratification, maybe not just heedless with how you spend. And that's why Allah has blessed you with more. However, let's say you want more money now. But what if you don't deserve it? What if you don't have that level of financial literacy where you can use that money? So Allah is withholding, giving you that money and wealth until you're at a point where you deserve it and you can utilize it more appropriately. Yeah, exactly. So I know this brother. I'll keep his name out of this, uh, out of the podcast because you know details. You don't want to uh, jump into people's lives like this. But he was in a place where he didn't have much money to begin with, and um, every time he would get money, he would always, like you said, don't be smiling, bro. I'm not talking about myself at all. I know I be doing that a lot, but I'm not talking about that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so he, boys, anytime Anil makes an analogy, it's always him. No, 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 no. It's not. Alhamdulillah. It's not. Alhamdulillah. So he didn't have much money to begin with. Anytime he got money, he would end up like just blowing it on things that didn't make sense, kind of like how you're saying. You know, it's uh, the immaturity. You don't mm-hmm. have that the lack of understanding, the lack of skill, the lack of preparation, and all this stuff. And he told me that what ended up being the biggest change for him was understanding that his risk, the amount of money that was coming to him, it's already been determined. It's already there. Meaning that like, he's the one that's gatekeeping himself. So when he figured that out, he's like, hold up. Well, how am I actually gatekeeping myself? And yeah, then I'm he, wondering too, bro. What happened? I said, I'm wondering that too, bro. How does one gatekeep themselves? Exactly. When you gatekeep yourself, when you have ignorance, when you have a lack of understanding, because if you are unaware of what's actually holding you back, how can you change anything? So essentially, you are gatekeeping yourself unconsciously without even realizing it. So his his thing that was holding himself back is a simple fact that he didn't know how to utilize money. He got, let's say, 5000 Bro, that 5000 was going to be gone by the end of the month. And that's, that's a simple thing that every single human has. When we have more, we spend more. If you go into the bathroom and you have five rolls of toilet paper, are you going to use three squares to clean yourself? Or are you going to be using like maybe 10, 15, 20 squares? Because, hey, you got five rolls there. It's okay. You can use extra, right? So the, the whole point is that like when we have more, we tend to use more because we think abundance, abundance, abundance. Mm. but when you understand okay it's i have this much but i only need this much and when he started to create 
an actual like outline, a structure for himself where he was doing X amount of money here, X amount of money here, X amount of here. Well, that's when he started noticing the risk started to come in. And the thing is that the risk was already coming in. He told me that the risk was already coming in, but he, he couldn't see it because again, by the end of the month, he was using up all the money. And then by the end of the month, instead of looking at what he received and being like, wow, mashallah, this is amazing. He's looking at what he doesn't have and what he needs, what he thinks he needs. So he, instead of being grateful, he's being ungrateful. And then once he switched it up, he had the same amount of, uh, the same amount of money coming in, but because he changed up where the money was moving, now at the end of the month, instead of having no money, now he has some money. So now he's looking at it, he's like, wow, mashallah. And you know how Allah says, bro, if you're grateful, I will increase you. So the simple fact that he, he passed this thing, he passed this test that Allah had been putting on him uh, for a very long time from what he told me. Mm. That's when everything started opening up, when Allah began to open the doors for him. Because again, Allah will continue to test you until you receive the message, until you change what needs to be changed. If you do not change what needs to be changed, Allah is going to continue testing you again and again and again and again. So mm. hope 100%. that the story adds a little something. thousand percent. And to, to add to that point, bro, and to, to, to enhance it, I don't know why there's a misconception that Muslims think that all the money is coming from Allah, the risk is written, I don't have to do any hard work, you know, I'm just going to focus on the Akhirah, which is not a bad thing at all, by the way, but I'm going to completely let go of the dunya, I'm going to completely let go of striving in this dunya, working hard, going out and getting it. And this is not Islamic, bro. Do you actually, if you actually read the Quran and understand what Allah is trying to get us to understand, in this dunya alone, is yes, the dunya is a means to get into the akhirah, but we need to have ihsan and excellence in the dunya too. When did this become acceptable that we're just going to be complacent in the dunya? Look at a lot of the sahaba radiallahu anhum, bro. We know about the virtues and the values of living and dying in, you know, Makkah and Medina and the reward for that. Yet a lot of them were buried outside of that, bro. Because they were going out there and getting it, bro. They were establishing masajids, doing da'wah, calling people to tawheed, calling people to Islam. Because they didn't just live a comfortable life. They didn't just focus on the akhirah and completely let go of the dunya, bro. That's facts. Bro, there's a specific ayah in the Quran. I completely forgot in which chapter it is. So if someone remembers this, please, by all means, jump in and let me know. But in the ayah, Allah says, uh, after you are done with prayer, disperse among the land and seek the bounty of Allah. Think about that, bro. Like, after you're done praying, like, going and get that money, getting that paper. But there's another point to the ayah that is uh, it's very important. And if you miss it, then you're missing the whole point of it all. Because after this, Allah says, and remember Allah often. Remember me often so that you may be successful. Because what if you do this? What if after prayer, you disperse among the land, you get that money, you get Allah's bounty? But then when you get this money, you forget Allah in the process. Uh, that would not be a success, if you ask me. That'd be mm -hmm. a major. So Allah, mm -hmm. literally, Allah is giving us all of the information we need to be successful. Like, you want to be successful in this dunya, bro? Allah is giving you a, the exact, the blueprint. Here, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. See, it reminds me of this, this one... Uh... 
this one man by the name of Dhul Karnain. I don't know if you know about him from Surah Al-Kaf. Yeah. He was that very wealthy king that Allah has blessed. You know, he was a leader. He had a lot of riches and a lot of wealth. But one thing that, you know, was particularly highlighted was his Islam. It's not that, the, you know, the money or anything defined him or made him. He had that. He was killing in dunya, Allah Mubarak. But when it comes to akhirah, he had that on lock too. And the people would come to him and the people would, would basically come in flocks, bro, begging him and asking him, you know, please help us. You know, there's these savage tribes of Ya'juj and Ma'juj, you know, and they're out here, you know, just cannibals, bro, just wild, complete immorality. Help us. And we'll give you all of these wealth. They, they, they brought all the money that they had. They brought all the wealth that they had. You know, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. Just help us. You know, we need you right now. We're in a time of, of, of desperate need. And what did he say, bro? He didn't say, okay, cool. I'll take all of this. He, did, he, had, he had no greed, bro. He understood that Allah has already blessed me. Alhamdulillah. Allah mubarak with a lot of wealth. I don't need this. That you, like, you have nothing to offer, bro. And right now, you're at, you know, complete need of how I can help you. I'm going to do that. And then, he, you know, he built that big seal where Ya'juj and Ma'juj are, are completely sealed till today, until they're released, bro. But this is a perfect definition or example of a man that has dunya, but he also has principles and Islam and Ihsan, and he has that integrity and character, bro. And no amount of dunya or nafs or anything can corrupt that. Now, let me make it easy for all of us to get to this point. Ameen, bro. <clears throat> and speaking about Surah Al-Kaf, many hadith, hadith mentioning on the virtues of reciting Surah Al-Kaf on Friday, how it's going to be like a shield or like a beacon of light from this Friday to the next. So if you guys are not on that, recite Surah Al-Kaf at least once every single Friday. And it should be, from what I know, after Fajr, right? Otherwise, if it's before Fajr, it's still Thursday. But... Recited after Fajr. Allah knows best, unless I'm wrong. Because uh, a lot of the time, bro, I get confused when Islamically, like, you know, in Surah Ramadan, the days are from Maghrib onward. So unless I'm wrong, it's after Fajr. Because uh, I do know that one of the Sunnah or Sunan is to make Qusl before you go to Jum'ah. And I know for the, the Qusl, it has to be after Fajr. So if the same thing applies here, recite Surah Al-Kaf once Start to finish. It's not that long. And then actually reflect on it. Read the translation. Read the meaning if you don't understand what it is. Go to Jummah and inshallah, <clears throat> Allah will bless your Friday. From this Friday till the next, inshallah. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. With all this being said about trusting Allah and the tests and all this, in your experience and through what you've read, how does one trust Allah in the most practical and realistic way? I think the first and foremost important thing I'm going to mention is to be in a state of taqwa or consciousness. And nothing is, is one and done. We have to constantly be in a state of taqwa. Taqwa is, is continuity. It's not just you know one time near and then you're done, you forget it. And the more you rely on Allah, the more you realize that the little things that are out of your control, you leave that to Allah. Just like Brother Anha said a few minutes ago, that it doesn't make your affairs any easy. It doesn't make everything okay. It doesn't change anything or fix anything right away, per se. 
but you you let go of the things that you have no influence and no control over and you leave that to Allah. And you only that also in and of itself helps you focus on the things you do have control over. Because before you're out here just paranoid and anxious about everything. Now you can focus on what is in your control. Supplication, you know, whether you can actually do something in the dunya. These things are in your control. Not if you can actually control the end result, if you can actually get what you're going for, or if you're going to get it right now, et cetera, et cetera. What about you? They be commenting, why are you flexing your neck, bro? I'm really not. I'm just little do they know. Back. Little do they know, bro. Physiologically, he's extending his neck. They ain't got to know all that, bro. I mean, if I would have flexed my neck, if you, no, you doing this. No, I'm just I'm throwing it back, bro. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the man at the time of Musa salam who asked for increased risk from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Instead, he was told he will have the fixed risk, which is one bread a day. That man started saving half bread. The half bread saved per day added up over the years and he became rich. SubhanAllah. MashaAllah. Yeah, you see that. You see that, bro. SubhanAllah. Mm-hmm. SubhanAllah. Bro, it reminds me of um, when we were talking with uh, Wahab. Warner. For those of you who don't know who Wahab is. Uh, and he was talking about listening to Surah Waqiyah every single night. And you know what's crazy is that he told us this. He told us this a long time ago. And for a while, every single night, I started reading uh, Surah Waqiyah, listening to it. And it's like, at first, I was just kind of, you know, following what he had said. And I was like, oh, reading it every night, listening to it every night, like it's it's actually going to help in this way. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to just gonna go with it and we'll see what happens, right? And as I started going with it, it's like somewhere along the line, like it clicked it's like, oh, the, the Suda in and of itself is not going to increase me in wealth. It's the simple fact that I'm listening to it and reading it every single day. And it's keeping my taqwa, the, the consciousness of Allah, like it's, it's, it's there. Like I'm always aware and it's, it's making me remember Allah more and more and more and more and reflect more and more mm. on Allah. And it's, it's like Allah said, remember me often so that you may be successful. And it's crazy because I realized, like, ah, this is what it's doing. And then for some, I don't know what it was, bro, but for some reason I just stopped. I stopped reading it. I stopped listening to it. And then I had to, like, come across that ayah that I told you where it's, like, disperse amongst the land and seek the bounty of Allah, but also remember Allah while you're doing mm-hmm. so so that you may be successful. And it's like, ah, like, it all clicked for me. Mm. It's it's crazy, bro. It really is crazy. Allah. And like, that's the thing, bro. When you read Surah Waqi and you actually ponder on it, <clears throat> you begin to realize that Anhel's right. It's not the Surah in and of itself that just magically gives you money or risk. It just comes like that without you doing hard work. But a lot of these things, they don't give you exactly what you want in the way that you want it, in the means that you want it. But it changes your consciousness, your taqwa, like Anhel was saying. Same with Istikhara, bro. A lot of the time when I pray Istikhara for signs from Allah, right? I basically, you know, make wudu. Get ready to pray Sahara. Make my niyyah just like any other any other prayer. I do my turaka, I make dua and sujood. Ya Allah, help me pick between this and that, A and B. And then I'll read the authentic istikhara dua at the end of it. And then I expect that, you know what, just like every other time, I'm going to get a clear sign for either A or B. I go to sleep, I wake up the next day. Bro, many a times I don't wake up with clear signs for A or B. 
Rather, what I do is I wake up with an elevated level of consciousness bestowed upon me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this elevated consciousness helps me see things amongst the nuances between the two choices that I didn't perceive before. It's almost like I was too focused on specific things and I had a magnifying glass, but then Allah now gives me like a bird's eye view on everything, you know? And I didn't have this before. So now, instead of getting clear signs, I'm able to come to conclusions and connect dots that I couldn't do before. And this gift of elevated consciousness, if you guys have ever in, you know, experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. It feels really good. It feels very empowering. And it feels like you're unstoppable. You could see things from a, from a completely different perspective than you could see before. And this in and of itself is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, this is why gratitude is so important. And we have to be grateful for whatever Allah gives us because we ask for one thing, but really, like, that might not be the thing that's meant for us or that might not be the thing that's best for us, you know? Mm. And we might be so fixated on that one thing, but it's like Allah is the best of planners. We plan one thing, Allah plans another, and Allah is the best of planners. And if Allah is going to give us something which is far better than what we're asking for, like, we need to be open to that. And the only way to be open to that is to be grateful for anything that Allah is throwing in our direction. And you can only do this if you are aware, if you are conscious. 100%. And in Surah Waqiyah, bro, one of, the, one of the things that I always reflect on is how Allah describes the people that are basically categorized into three classifications, right? Yeah. And there's like basically the people that are like, just you, you don't even want to talk about where they're going to end up, bro. Then the, not, left. the left, they're basically failing to recognize the things that Allah wants us to recognize, the things that it's most befitting for us to recognize. They're not operating at the high standard for themselves. Perhaps they don't even have a standard to begin with. And then you got the right. And then who's the right? The right are the, the Muslims, you know, the ones who submit to Allah and uh, do acts of good, worship Allah alone. Uh, mm -hmm. Do sadaqa and all the good stuff that Muslims do. And then you have the, the Hold forerunners. Up, before, before you even go into that, before Anhul even brings up the last category, bro, when I first read this and I looked at the second category, which is the right, I'm already thinking like this is the cream of the crop, bro. This is like the best yeah. of the best. This is like when Allah is describing the categories and traits and, and you know, the description of this this right, this group. I'm like, yo, they're so different from the left. They're antithetical to the left. These people are establishing prayer. These people are giving zakat. These people are giving sadaqah. These people are honest. Yeah. These people are believers. So Allah is definitely, now Allah is going to mention, most likely, I thought, someone who's kind of in the middle. But then what does Allah say, bro? He mentions the cream of the crop. The top of the top. And these are the forerunners, the mu'minin, the true, true believers of all the Muslims. Mm -hmm. And and he says that amongst these people, there will be a large group of them from the people of before and few of the people from now. Facts. And the people of the right, there will be a large group of them from now. And um, I think he said few from before, if I remember correctly. If I'm not remembering that correctly, by all means, like, correct me. <coughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful to see. Is, I believe now. Uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't know if he said that for the left. Okay, but well, but the left man, it's it's scary when he starts giving the, the explanations. And what's all gonna that. happen? Yeah, and Allah knows best. But uh, see, 
understanding this, we we begin to make, and I'm not, again, I'm not a scholar. Anhal's not a scholar. We're not qualified to make the tafsir. Um, make tafsir, to do tafsir, to basically do interpretation. And I do want to say, like, just from our layman perspective and from my layman perspective, it gets me thinking, too, that, okay, Allah describes the left. And then on the other echelon, upper echelon, you got the cream of the crop. In between this, Allah mentions the right. So establishing prayer, being a good Muslim, being in a state of Islam, submission to God, and following him alone. These things that we think is like an end goal. Bro, what if that's just the middle path? What if that alone makes you neutral? That's what you're supposed to do. And Allah says in the Quran that we did not make Islam except that it's a middle nation. You know, so it really gets you thinking that the right could just be in our eyes, you know, so in a pedestal, you know, proper Muslim, you know, kawam, whatever. What if that's just what's expected? What if that just makes you in the middle nation? Yeah. I mean, as we, as we should strive for it, but we should also strive to be of the forerunners, bro, because these are these are the people who have dedicated their lives to Allah. Like, bro, they are always doing their best to, whether it be da'wah, whether it be learning about Islam, whether it be trying to get closer to Allah, whether it be trying to give as much sadaqah as possible, trying to help their brothers and sisters in this uh, dunya as much as possible. Like, these are the cream of the crop, bro. Like, all the prophets, peace and blessings be upon all of them, they are all part of the forerunners, bro. Mm. They are the cream of the crop. So imagine if you have other humans that are in this category, then bro, they have to be somewhere remotely close to that of the prophets. And I'm not saying we we can be that of the prophets. I'm saying like in our actions, in our character, in our deeds, we can be amongst this group that the prophets are also a part of. So like, let that sink in. Like you really have to be an excellence. Like Isan. Bro, like you have to be a reflection of Islam, like spiritual mm-hmm. excellence. Mm-hmm. And bro, who said we can't have it? Like generally, who said we can't have it? Who I know, like mentally, it seems like it's it's really far away, it's out of our reach. But no one's stopping you except you. At the end of the day, you know, and, and that's the same thing, bro. With in Surah Doha, Allah says, like, did we not guide you when you were lost, when you were astray? You know, did we not basically enrich you when you didn't have anything? And then, of course, Allah talks about how, you know, never we should never take the rights away from orphans and we should always help them out because the same way that Allah helped us out, we got to pay it forward, we got to return the favor. But at the end of the day, like, in, even in the beginning of the of the surah, Allah says, what's coming, the life that's coming, the afterlife, the akhirah, it's better than this life. It's just to remind us that, yes, this dunya matters. But if you live the dunya in a way where, and I tell a lot of atheists this, by the way, too, because they're like, okay, what if I do everything and then there's no, like, Akhirah, there's no Jannah. Everything is just, it's a doubt that some people get, you know? And I tell them, and I'm like, if you live your life according to Islam, right? And we know, of course, we're going to go to Jannah, inshallah, if we live a proper life. But let's say what you're saying is true. And just to, just to, astaghfirullah, just to like, you know, be devil's advocate. Let's say once we, once we die, it's black screen, you know, whatever, nothing actually happens. Do you realize you still lived your life? to the best of your ability, and you live the most proper life that you can. You weren't doing intoxicants. You weren't gambling. You didn't owe anyone any money. You died in a pure state. Like, that alone 
is amazing, is, is already a gift. It's already perfect guidance from Allah. You're already living the most perfect life that you can in dunya. But then the bonus is you get akhirah by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. So why would you not want that? I think, man, it's, it's a process for everyone. Because it's one thing to say, but it's another thing to actually live it. You know, and we have to just get to the point where we, we are content. And I, I watched this video of this Kufar guy, bro. And actually, mashallah, he had some beneficial stuff. Uh, but he was saying that, like, one of the biggest things that he had to learn was contentment. And he said that being content is a skill. And I was like, damn, well, like, that's actually very true. You know, like, yes. Allah tells us to be grateful. Allah tells us to be grateful. But, bro, being grateful and being content with what you have, like, that's a skill. Like, you actually have to work at that. But if you think about it, like, if you can get to the point where you're truly content and you're truly grateful for whatever Allah has presented to you, like, bro, I feel like everything would just be handed to you. Like, Allah would just hand everything to you because, bro, you're passing every single test. If you are grateful and you are content, you're passing every single test. There's this one, uh, this is one um, guy, I think he was in, in Saudi or somewhere along the lines of the middle east and he was uh, working in a factory he was sitting down and it was like really hot and he's just he's kind of busted up bro like mm. where he's at it's also busted up he's like really really like working hard mm. and he was asked like how are you because like man looked rough and i'm gonna butcher this but he replied somewhere along the lines of like you know what i'm just i'm so grateful like i'm i'm sitting down here and there's so many blessings around me that they're fighting to get to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to be here and be able to be in this position where all these blessings are fighting so hard to get to me. You're talking about the one I sent you from uh, Sheikh Ali Hamura? No, I think I sent you this one, bro. No, no, no you I did send me this. You I literally sent you this yesterday, bro. Yeah, And he yeah. was like, they're, they're literally fighting. Not to cut you off, but they were like, yo, like these blessings are just fighting. And I'm just like, I'm literally sitting and just surrounded, just swarmed by the, the bounties and the blessings of Allah. And I'm just like, where do I even begin to start to thank Allah and to be grateful? Like where? I'm just, I just don't even know where to begin, bro. Exactly. And out here, we're out here counting different. our, huh? I said, and that's different. Mm. You know, like imagine if we can get to this level and that that's, bro, that's true contentment. If he was asked, like, how is he doing because of, like, how busted up he must have looked, like, in someone else's eyes, they probably would have seen, like, man, this guy's really bad off. Like, this man does not have a good life. He's, he's over here struggling. He's over here having to do all this. But in his eyes, he's so content and so happy and so grateful with what Allah has given to him that, bro, like, it's all these blessings coming his way. Like I said, the silver player, Allah's just giving it to him like this. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah allow us to be like this, bro. I mean, guys, let us know in the comments if you enjoyed this stream. If you want more streams like this, just, just dissecting our brain, reflecting on the Quran, you know, doing open heart surgery on the heart, stuff like that. Um, like the stream. Inshallah, we will wrap this up. And inshallah, Rami, for anyone that doesn't know, because I keep seeing these comments of where's Rami, even though I did mention in the very beginning of the stream, Y'all just rewind it. Rami is traveling today. Alhamdulillah. Keep him in your du'as. And Rami, bro, if you're watching this, make a lot of du'a, inshallah. 
best time to make dua. One of the best times is during traveling. Traveler's dua is never rejected. Uh, this doesn't mean you're going to get what you want because your dua being rejected, or sorry, your dua being accepted might not mean you literally get what you want. It being accepted is Allah answering your dua to give you the best thing for you pertaining to your dua, inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. And a little, I'd say, not advice, but a reminder that I want to give to uh, brothers and sisters that are watching right now is to make dua for others instead of making dua for yourself. I don't, I'm sure that there are some scholars or, or somewhere that can be found about, you know, speaking about this. But I found that whenever I make dua for others, like anything that I need or that I want is just pretty much taken care of without me having to ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's wow. very selfless. It's I don't even know. I'm still trying to understand it and comprehend it, but it's very selfless when you think about it. You're making dua for someone else, and then when it's sincere dua for that other person, I don't know. Like I, I can't help but to see that Allah sees the intention behind that and rewards you more than if you were to have just made dua for yourself. Inshallah, that's a beautiful point to make. Uh, to end it on, make a new video with Sunny, guys. You want Inshallah. part four? You want to bring back Sunny Sunny Fast for part four? Let us know if you guys really do want that. Inshallah, we'll make it happen. Uh, we just had a call with them a few days ago, right? Just over Zoom. I think it was just us. No stream, though. Inshallah, next time we get a hold of him, we will invite him on. And if you guys want Christian mom too, inshallah, we will bring her back on. Inshallah. Make the for Sunny Faz, inshallah, that Allah guides him and grants him hidayah. Amin. Inshallah, stay tuned for some exciting streams coming up and exciting in-person podcasts, inshallah, coming up too. With this being said, Anil, you want to make a dua? I was trying to remember the one that Rami did, but I didn't want to butcher it. So I, I think I, I would try to say this one that me and the brother that I, I practice uh, Arabic with, he told me, and it's Subhanak Allahumma wa Hamdik, Ashadu an la ilaha ila ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.